Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Put your hands together for Jesus and take your Bibles. Thank you, worship team. appreciate you. Take your Bibles. Turn to Exodus chapter 19 as we conclude a series called Experience Life. Exodus 19, Pastor Karen kicked it off with experience life and what real life is. He who has the son, the Bible says, has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. So real life can't exist without being born again, without Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Minister David brought forth the next message on experience life. People, what a powerful word it was. And uh, I preached to you by video recording in Louisville, Kentucky, on power, and some of you might remember that. And so this morning as we conclude Exodus 19, living with purpose. We do have notes for you, and you can fill those in as we move along. Reading from the New King James, Exodus chapter 19 and verse 1. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, where they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. Everybody say the mountain. The mountain. That's the mountain of God. Verse 3. And Moses went up to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you were to speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words that the Lord had commanded them. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord had spoken we will do. So Moses brought back words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear what I speak to you. And believe you forever. So Moses told the words to the people of the Lord. Father, thank you for your presence. What you've done all this week, Wednesday night. Oh, God, wonderful. Tuesday, what you did in transformations. What you did in our youth on Friday. What you did in all of our life groups all over the state. What you're doing in Eagle River and Bristol Bay. What you're doing in Dillingham. God, what you're doing here. Thank you for opening Anchorage. Thank you for opening different places, God, for us. Thank you that we are gathered here as the people of God. We incline, Lord, our hearts towards you, knowing that you incline your ear towards us, and there will be an exchange this morning. Release revelation of the purpose for which we're alive and breathing in this hour of history. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What are you doing here? 
I mean, seriously, ask yourself a question. What are you doing here? What do you mean, Pastor? I'm in church. I, I, I'm glad you're in church. But I mean, on a larger scale, with some deeper meaning, why do you have a heartbeat? Why are you breathing? Why are you on the planet? Why did, why did God bring you into the earth? You said, well, my parents, no, your parents participated and helped, but, but it's the Lord who knit you together while you were yet in your mother's womb. And he's placed us in time right now with purpose. Somebody say, I've got purpose. Wow, amazing. This text is profound in many ways. And the Old Testament is a picture book of the New Testament reality. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to teach you on this text then I'll tie it into New Testament revelation, actually out of the book of Revelation in chapter 1, and thus from the two give you a very clear, concise, by the grace of God, understanding of why you're here, understanding of your purpose. There is meaning to life, and if you don't understand your purpose, you don't understand why you're here, You'll settle for anything, and that's not God's plan. God's plan for you is to be the head, not the tail, the lender, not the borrower. God's plan is to use you, bless you. I mean use you in the most wonderful way to be an expression of his power. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? What is the purpose of life? There is a psychologist that lived uh, during the time of the World War II, the Jewish man, Viktor Frankl. He was one of the Jews that survived the Nazi death camps. And he created a counseling, a way of counseling, a way of therapy called existential therapy. It's fascinating, really. What he discovered in the death camps was this. He discovered that people who had a sense of meaning, they had a sense of purpose, that their life actually meant something than more than just eating and breathing. Those are the ones that lived. More so than the ones that didn't. You give up hope and you're going to have a problem. He wrote in his book, The Search for Meaning, that if people don't find meaning, they forfeit much of what is available to them in life. I would change that word and say purpose. A man by the name of, I uh, uh, can't remember his name, Saddleback Community Church, Rick Warren is his name. The book is Purpose Driven Life. I, I had the, the joy of meeting with him and about 70 other pastors years ago at a pastor's conference, sat right next to him, talked to him, listened to him. Amazing, it was amazing teaching. There's been a lot of controversy about him, but three quarters of which is not true. And he's, God has used him amazingly. He says when he sat down to, to write the purpose-driven life, he says something, he's a Baptist guy, so this is really saying something. He said something came over him. And he wrote it in an unprecedented time. I mean, quickly produced this book. He said it was like an unseen hand came upon him to write it. Did you know that the purpose-driven life, uh, as of a couple years ago, I didn't look on the internet this morning, but the number one selling book of all time is the one that you have in your hand or on your phone, the Bible. The number two selling book of all time, all time, ever since Gutenberg's printing press, is the purpose-driven life. Now that ought to tell you something, that mankind, that people are lacking purpose. They don't understand why they're here. I'm going to show you why you're here and help you fulfill your purpose today. Can you say amen? All right, we do have notes. Fill them in as we move along. God told Moses at the burning bush. Now this is Exodus 3. We didn't read that, but he told him at the burning bush. When I brought, your people, when I brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So it was in God's heart for them to not only be delivered out of Egypt, 
but to come to this mountain that they're at in this text and to, to worship him. The people of God had been camped out for approximately, if you study this, approximate one-year camping trip. So it seems like nothing's really happening, but God's, God's dealing with them, I think, in the midst of that. And he speaks to them. I mean, he basically brings them there to bring them into the bond of covenant. And Moses is God's spokesman. God declares what he's done for them. He said he'd deliver them. I brought you out on eagle's wings, verse 4 in the text that we read. I brought you to myself. Think about that. I brought you out of Egypt to bring you to myself. He wanted Israel to know the depth and the width the width and the length of his incredible love for them. I brought you out to bring you to me. It's this statement of like a loving heavenly father wooing his children. And God challenges them there in verse 5. And he says, now therefore if, everybody say if. If's a real big word. I've taught you before, anytime you see if, it's a setup for covenant language. If you obey my voice, you obey my commands, then. So in other words, if you don't do the if, you don't get the then. If, then clause is covenant language. If you show up and punch the clock and work hard, you get to keep your job, and then you get a paycheck. Right. So if you obey my commands, it says in verse 5, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my commands, which keep my covenant, which is interesting actually. I'm not going to preach on it, but I'll just say for a moment. His voice is present tense, so he can speak to you like he spoke to me driving past the building. It's done. And then there's his commands, his word, clearly. We understand his will from his word, but then he can speak to you and say, I don't want you to be, do that anymore. I, I don't, I don't, that's not the one. Let that go. Move forward. Trust me. You, then there's his voice. So if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure. Above all people. Now, this is to Israel, but in the New Testament, it applies to us who are mostly grafted in Gentiles, and I'll get there in a moment. It's amazing that even though God had delivered them, they had a choice. Love is not in a vacuum. You have to choose to serve God. He's not going to make you do it. Thirdly, God shows the blessing they'll receive. This is the then part. And in doing that, verse 5 and 6, let me read that, read this to you. Now, therefore, indeed, if... You obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my special treasure to be above all people, for all the earth is mine. Verse 6, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is a revelation of God's covenant purpose for Israel, but it's a revelation for God's covenant purpose for you. You are a treasured possession. I'm going to look at some New Testament texts to help you. You push this deep down into your heart. That we are a covenant people. We're a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I want you to say that. Say, I'm a kingdom. Say, I'm a priest. I'm a part of a holy nation. You need to push that into your ears. Write it down. Make it plain. Put it in, put it in the margin of your notes. Kingdom, a priest, a holy nation. God reveals his purpose for us. The first thing you got to do is mention, now remember, that the Old Testament is a picture book of New Testament reality. So the Old Testament, talking about, I've delivered you out of Egypt, it was the final plague that is a prophetic picture, a prophetic type, 
a prophetic act of what would take place through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ, the Savior, who took the sin of the world, the Lamb of God. And I've taught this to you over and over and over, but perhaps it's the first time that you're hearing it, and it's encouraging. In the book of Exodus, the last plague was the plague on the, the death of the firstborn. It's the, the plague that finally broke Pharaoh. Any, any firstborn thing in that day was killed if the blood of a lamb wasn't put on the doorposts of their homes. So no matter who you were, Jew or Egyptian, if you didn't have blood on, your, on the doorpost of your house, the angel came and the firstborn, anybody have a first, if you have kids, that's your firstborn. Your firstborn child is your firstborn. How many of you are the oldest in your family? You're also the firstborn. So can you imagine if in your home, you don't have the blood as, as decreed by Moses on the doorpost of your home. Like, I don't believe that. That's weird. I'm not doing that. Okay, well, the death angel would come to your house, and if you're the firstborn, that means you would die, and your firstborn child would die. And, and if your puppy, if your dog was the firstborn of its litter, it would die. And if you had a cat, oh, I think all the cats died. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. So you understand... You understand that the book of <laughs> the book of Exodus is a picture of death that comes to every single person and the Bible talks about the second death talks about if you are not born again you will perish that there's death that's going to come to every single one of us but Jesus has destroyed hell death and the grave and as too many as believed on him he gave them the right to to become children of God, the blood of the Lamb. Come on, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It was clear what he was saying. And I've preached this hundreds of times. So understand as we read Exodus, tying now into New Testament reality, what he's saying is this prophetic type that he has redeemed us by the blood of the Lamb. I want you to say that out loud. He has redeemed me by the blood of the Lamb. Say it again. He has Felt like I was in Catholic church for just a second right there. That was awesome. It's a prophetic type of what Jesus has done. And secondly, it says he, he, he brings him, I brought you on eagle's wings to bring you to myself. Jesus died on a cross, rose again from the grave. God doesn't save you just so that you could be forgiven of your sin, and that would be it. He, he saves you so that you could come in relationship with him. And it's the same thing here in Exodus 19 for us as New Testament believers. He brings us in, right in your notes, into relationship with him and his spirit who fills us and works through his word to direct us and help us in life. It's a revelation of your relationship. To realize that you're not just been saved for, for any purpose, for, for no purpose, I should say. You've been saved, you've been delivered, you've been redeemed, you've been washed, you've been cleansed if you believed on the Lord Jesus that he died in your place. You've been born again, why? Number one, so that you could have a relationship with God. And that is the most important relationship that you have. No, I thought my wife's the most important. No, well, it's not. Because you're not going to be a very good husband. You're not going to be a very good wife if you don't have a relationship with the one who made you. It's going to be difficult. And we become as treasured possessions. This is verse 5. Then you will be a special treasure to me above all the people of the earth. For the earth is mine. Think about that. God thinks, man, God thinks I'm someone special. God thinks you're special. 
Okay, your cousin might not think so. Your next door neighbor might not think you're so special. But God says that you're special. Hallelujah, that's verse five. Wow, I'm his treasured possession. Come on, say that, won't you? I'm his treasured. Come on, say it one more time. I'm his treasured. Thank you, Minister Mike. I can't help but think about Ephesians 1 and 17. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. That we might know the hope of our calling. And what is his glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints. God, listen to this. Let it go. Let it go into your heart. God who owns everything gets an inheritance just like you might get one from your father, from your mother, from your aunt, perhaps. The inheritance God gets is you. Well, that ain't a very good deal. That's because you don't think much about yourself. You're his treasured possession. I am God's, oh, God wants me. Oh, he longs to, he longs to bless me, longs to pour out on me and my family. You've got to settle it in your heart that you're his inheritance. Wow. My, my, my. We're a kingdom of priests. Now, turn to Revelation, the book of Revelation. Go there. And find chapter 1, it's, it's the first chapter. It's the last book of the Bible, first chapter. Go to verse 6. To him who loved us and washed us. Watch how similar this is to Exodus 19. Watch this. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. It's very, very similar. So what does that mean? God's purpose for us is to be a kingdom. Now, I've heard this when early on in my walk with the Lord. I'd heard that. It just made no sense. Like, I'm like, what is that? Really? That's pretty obscure. Well, I'm going to make it really clear. I'm going to take away all obscurity by the grace of God and show you what it is to be a kingdom. Come on, someone say, I am a kingdom. Come on, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within you. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, they're synonymous. I mean the same thing. The kingdom of God is within you. Say, the kingdom of God is within me. Say it. Kingdom of Say it again. Close your eyes if it helps you. The, the kingdom of God. Genesis 1 and 28 talks about dominion. They named the animals. I mean, Adam had, Adam and Eve had tremendous authority, tremendous delegated power. Like a sheriff has delegated power from the government. Adam and Eve had delegated power from God to name all the animals. Wow. 
I read in a book years ago that, that we don't really understand the fall of Adam and how vast that and how huge that was. And he said, when I was a kid, I watched a giant sequoia be felled. And we all knew it was a giant tree, but when it came down on the ground and we walked it, we had no idea it was that big. I remember seeing a very large tree fall when I was younger. And I knew it was big, but when I walked along, and I'm still walking, I'm still walking along this tree, hundreds of feet long, you know. That's the way it is. When Adam fell, he forfeited dominion. He forfeited his rights. He forfeited the, the title deed of the earth. But when the second Adam came, he purchased back through his death and through his resurrection. See, God's plan, his, his purpose in his kingdom is for us to operate in, in dominion, to, for us to operate in kingdom power. Another aspect of dominion is kingdom authority or kingdom power. Right? I'm writing your notes. Kingdom power or kingdom authority. And I think one of the great pictures in the New Testament is at the hour of prayer, prayer Peter and John went to the gate called Beautiful, and they said what? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Most of the church has forgotten about what they had. Listen, if what you get out of this morning is just, you know, a couple laughs and a little bit of teaching, and you go away unchanged, I have utterly failed. We must position our heart to realize that he wants to release in us kingdom power, kingdom authority. Why? So that your marriage can get healed. So that your kids can get free. So that when you're at Freddy's, you can lay hands on someone in a wheelchair and they can pop out. I'm telling you, you've got kingdom power and authority, but you need to understand it. It's one of the purposes for why you're here, to be a kingdom. That Where I go, so goes the kingdom. And I think, honestly, for me, sometimes I forget that. I want you this week to remind yourself that you have a purpose. You have a purpose. What is it? It's to be a kingdom. So when you face opposition and obstacles, you point your finger at that and declare the will of God. You declare the word of the Lord. Sickness, disease, infirmity, not from God. You Discouragement, not from God. You point your finger at that thing that tries to yap at you and tell you who do you think you are. Tell it to shut up. I'm a born again, spirit filled. You are about to enter in to the most exciting season of your life, says the Lord. I've been positioning you, and I've brought you to a place where you just got fed up with regular this and that. And the Lord has positioned you in such a way, sweetheart, that you are now going to understand the deep things of your identity, and out of that it will squash all other lines that the enemies try to put upon you. And I'm going to release my voice through you, not only in preaching, not only in prayer, not only in song, but to be a voice in the midst of this generation would turn the hearts of men and women. I'm putting a boldness on the inside of you. You've chosen rightly, says the Lord. Watch and see what I do. There's leadership. There's music. There's dance. There's so much in you. My God. Holy Ghost. The enemy comes to try to keep you small and insignificant. But I'm a kingdom. Come on, somebody. I'm a kingdom. Say it again. I am a kingdom. I have dominion. I have authority. Now the fullness of this will come in the millennial reign. And I've had people say, well, if you had full authority, then you could 
Oh, stop. The fullness of the kingdom is not here yet. There will come a day when that will happen. Meanwhile, we are called to be a kingdom and a priest. Can you say amen? Wow. Kingdom authority. Peter and John knew their authority. Do you know yours? To be a kingdom is to express kingdom power in your life, in your job, in your home, in your marriage, over your babies, over your children. All right, thirdly, is to reign with Christ. There'll come a time when Jesus will return. Revelation 20 calls about that, talks about that. Verse 4, verse 5, verse 4, they, they came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. God's purpose for you and I in this planet, please hear me, God's purpose for you and I is to be in relationship with him and demonstrate his kingdom. That is what that is saying. To, what, to do what? To demonstrate his kingdom. It is a strange thing. It's a strange thing to be someone who loves God, walks with him, but sees no unexplainable demonstration. Now, we all have different personalities, so I'm not talking about personalities. I'm talking about your purpose. Your purpose is to be an agent of change in the home, out of the home, behind the wheel. Number two, to be priests. Priests are mediators. And I'm not talking about you needing a priest. I'm telling you, you are one. That, that certainly rubs against the grain of some denominations. To be a mediator, a priest. A priest is someone who stands and speaks on behalf of God. When you look at the text in Exodus 19, it's interesting. God talks to him. He goes down and talks to the people. Then he comes back and he talks to God. Now, do you think that God... Didn't understand what the people said. He's God, man. He heard what the people said. But Moses is going back and forth. He's a mediator. That's what we do. I've been mediating all week. Some of, come on, some of, you, some of you had some conflict with somebody and you need a mediator. Jesus is the high priest of our confession, clearly. But then he calls us to be priests, to be a kingdom and to be priests, to be people who would make intercession and pray on behalf of those who are lost, those who are dying, those who are blind, to be a mediator who would then bring healing and the kingdom of God everywhere we go, to be a priest. Come on, someone say, I'm a priest. To be servants. Wow. Turn to 1 Peter 2. Verse 5 says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're not only a kingdom, we're priests, and we're to be servants. You know, if you ever lose, the, if you ever lose that for pastors and leaders, don't ever forget that you're a servant. Somebody said, well, how much do you charge to do a wedding? It's nothing. Why? Because I'm here to serve you. That's why. Really? Yeah. No, I'm not a rent-a-pastor. I'm here to serve you. We're here to serve your family. And we're honored to do it. We are. We're all called to be servants. You ever lose that? then you're in some big trouble. And look, look at the, look at, see, we have access to God's presence. 
Hebrews 9. Oh, what a profound, profound verses of Scripture. Talks about the sacrificial system and how Jesus fulfilled the sacrificial system. How he sprinkled his blood, not in a temple made by hands, but in a temple that's in heaven. And, and Jesus died on a cross and rose again on that, on that Friday. And the temple curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place was torn in two. Signifying that the Holy Spirit doesn't live inside a temple anymore. He comes to take up residence on the inside of us. And the temple curtain, his flesh was rent in two. The power that raised Jesus from the dead comes and takes up residence on the inside. Wow! Comes and take up residence. Come on, someone say, the power of God lives on the inside of me. That's if you're born again. And then there's being baptized in the Spirit. I think we had some 25 plus people maybe it was 30, baptized in the Holy Spirit on Wednesday. You need the power of the Holy Ghost to live for God. We have access to His presence. When I first realized that, I was in a program called Teen Challenge. And uh, I got kicked out shortly thereafter. But, I don't need anybody to come lay hands on me, although I, I would welcome that. I'm, I believe in that. That's a big deal. Amen. It's an elementary teaching, says Hebrews 5. I believe in the laying on of hands. We'll lay hands here and pray, and there'll be miracles. These signs will follow them that believe they'll lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So when we believe in the laying on of hands. But I can be all by myself. I can fall out all by myself. What? Yeah. I, I can go straight in. How come? I, I, in, in Teen Challenge, I got so touched by the fire that I thought, man, I don't, I don't need a priest. I don't, I don't need a pastor to minister to me. I'm a believing pastors too. Please, please hear me. Everybody needs a pastor. Every single person on the planet needs a pastor. I believe that. But I realized that, wow, you mean, Lord? He's like, that's right. You mean I could just, yes, you can. I can come right before you. Yes, you're cleansed. I am. You are. Come on up. Oh, ah. I have to be careful because then Pastor Karen will have to finish the message. And I'm, I'm not kidding. You can yield and come to have access before the throne and receive power and receive healing and receive vision. Some of you just can't silence the yapping dog of the voice of your mind. Who do you think you are? Shut up! Somebody need to tell yourself to shut it. Hebrews 10 goes on to talk about this. I'm going to read this to you. Verse 19, Hebrews 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, confidence. I have confidence right now. I can go right up to that super fine wife of mine and kiss her. I could do it right now. I had no doubt that at this moment she was going to not stop me. I knew at this moment. There might have been another time that she was going to be. I knew right now she was not going to I had confidence. Because, you know, how many of you know sometimes it's like. Confidence. 
When you understand who Jesus is, you understand what God has done, you understand the blood, you understand that you're a kingdom, you understand that you're a priest, you understand that he's imputed his righteousness to you, you understand that, then you can boldly come and, and just come right into his throne. Oh, oh, God, you're amazing. And receive grace and help in time of need. Some of you don't boldly come because you're holding on to your little pet sin or you haven't settled it in your mind that you're accepted. You allow the overvoice of the enemy to whisper to you that, oh, well, you, who do you think you are? That's why I said you need to tell it to shut it. Oh, it goes on, let us consider the spur, how we can spur one another on. Verse 24, toward love and good deeds. Verse 25, I just like this. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We will never, ever, ever quit gathering together. Why? Because it is actually what we're supposed to do. Pandemic or no pandemic. And if you give that up, there's trouble. And I understand there's people at home online, and I'll bless you. Hallelujah. We will never quit meeting together. And, and I think online is powerful. It's great. It's better than nothing. But it's not this. It's different. Get the picture. You're washed by the blood. You're brought by him. You're a special treasure. You're a kingdom. You're a priest. We have provision. Look at this scripture, obscure. Isaiah 61, 6. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. And they shall call you servants of God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. And in their glory you shall boast. We're a holy nation. Can you say a holy nation? It means to share in God's nature, 2 Peter 1, verse 2 and 4. Well, we'll go from verse 3, 2 Peter 1, 3. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we've been given exceedingly great and precious promises. We're to be a public testimony. Can you say amen? We're to be a public testimony, 2 Thessalonians 1 and 12 that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. You're to be a, a public display of God's power and glory. And Satan has no hold on us. If we're a holy nation, he has no, come on, someone to say Satan has no hold on me. And we're to do things his way. We're to do things God's way. So many people want God to bless them, but they refuse to listen to his voice and refuse to obey his commands. Now, you want to tell me, would you reward your dog for, would you reward your dog for, for dropping a dog thing in the middle of your carpet? Oh, just let me just give you a snack. Good dog. As your carpet is now stained and you have to go scrape that thing off. So you expect God to bless you when you just, don't you love me? He's like, yeah, I love you, but you can't be dropping a deuce in the middle of the parking. You can't do that. And some of you want the fullness of God's power, the fullness of his kingdom, but you don't pray, you don't stand on your identity, you don't live a lifestyle of repentance, you don't worship, you got your hands in your pockets when the power of God's coming down, when he wants to touch you, heal you, set you on fire, so you can be a kingdom, so you can be a priest. Some of you still hung up on deuce. You need to get set free. Thank you, brother anointed one. Come on, lift your hands and say, I'm a kingdom. Come on, say, I'm a priest. Say, I'm a holy nation. 
Don't ever forget it. You've got to yield to God's purpose, verse 8. Then all the people together said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses brought back word of the Lord. Except the very next thing they did is make a golden calf. And I'll just tell you, some of you, the next thing you're going to do is leave here and make a golden calf. I've been pastoring a long time. And it's so sad that people abort God's plan when all the while they could be a kingdom, they could be a priest and make a difference and fulfill their purpose on the earth. They let people get in the way. Irritating and ugly, mean people. can be a divine assignment to make you more like Jesus. Love test. This is a test. Come on, someone say, I'm a kingdom. What does that mean? That means walking in dominion. That means walking in power. That means everywhere you go, Jesus is with you, so you might as well just... Come on, be God's hands extended to the person at Freddy's. To be God's hand extended when you're at the, at, the, at the gas station. Wherever you are in your family, your wife, your kids. To be God's hand extended. To walk in dominion. To walk in power. To walk in authority. You're a kingdom. You're, you're a priest. Come on, someone say, I'm a priest. You're just ramming it home here. You're a mediator. You're to mediate. You're to stand in the gap and pray. Do you know, we're here because somebody prayed for us. You might not realize it, but I'm telling you, God is raising up a bunch of mediators, a bunch of priests that understand that when we lift our hands and when we pray, God will move. Thank God for the intercessors that are part of this house. All of us are called to be intercessors. All of us are called to be mediators, to be servants. If you're not plugged into something here at the church, find a place to serve. You always say that. I know. And you always don't get involved. Of course, some of you do, and I'm grateful. See, why are you so in, insistent on that? Why are you so insistent? It's because if you don't learn to serve, then your discipleship will be hindered and dwarfed. You have to learn to give of yourself. You have to learn to pick up your cross. You have to learn to do these things. Listen, I'm a coach player. Do you know what that is? I'm in the game with you. And I'm also your coach, if I could say it that way. To fire you up to do the things that Christ has died on a cross and rose again for. You're a kingdom. You're a priest. You're a holy nation. To put God's power on display. And if you'll understand, that is the sole reason you're alive. Now, in the midst of that, selling real estate, being a teacher, being a plumber, being a carpenter, while all the while being a kingdom, being a priest, walking in dominion. Moses... God took Moses' job, a shepherd, and he turned it into a calling. Don't let anybody tell you that you're supposed to be a pastor unless God did. If, if you feel like somebody told you to be a pastor or an evangelist, take a couple aspirins, go to bed, and pray it goes away. <laughs> pray. God calls you, he'll confirm it, and you'll know. But don't just have an idea about going into ministry or something. Because it, 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 you'll be a went instead of a sent. God wants to use us. Come on, lift your hands. Service is concluding. Hallelujah. Awaken us to our purpose.
awaken us to being a kingdom. Being priests, we'd mediate, we'd witness, we'd share our faith. Awaken us. Our purpose is not making money. Our purpose is not fame. Our purpose is not how many likers we have. Our purpose is to be a kingdom, to walk in dominion, to change this world, to walk in dominion, to walk in kingdom authority and kingdom power, to lay hands on the sick, to change things. Our purpose is to be a priest, to sacrifice, to give. Pastor Cameron is talking about that, being a giver. But it's more than just, you know, giving in an offering. It's your whole life. Invading the community, bringing the kingdom of God, serving Him. A holy nation. Meditate on this. Understand it's why you're breathing. In the midst of what you're doing, you're a kingdom, you're a priest, you're a holy nation. From Exodus all the way into the book of Revelation, that is what God has called us to do. It is the purpose for being alive. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you're not right with God. I want to encourage you all across this place, those online, be reconciled, be forgiven, be washed, be cleansed. Repent of your sin. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You see, that's me, Pastor Dan. And pray this prayer right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Wash and cleanse me and forgive me of all of my sin. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray, fill and touch and bless each and every one right now. Baptize afresh with your power, with your fire, with your anointing in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, touch. One more word. Would you stand up all across this place and I'll close. Young man, I've forgotten your name. Forgive me. I can hardly remember mine when I'm preaching. Good to see you. The gift of leadership is on you. I've told you, in fact, I remember prophesying this over you before. There's been many different obstacles to try to hold you back from the plan of God. The Lord hands out uh, an invitation to you right now to come up higher, to step away from the things of time and tradition. There's like a vortex that wants to suck you in to just be a part of this normal world. That's not, that's not the way your grandparents are praying. That's not, that's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is to be a kingdom, to be a priest, to be a holy nation. Take the notes. Go look back at it. You've always known from the time. You've always known from the time that you were a small boy that God had a great plan for you. Many arrows of destruction were fired at you. Many difficulties. Many fiery darts were fired. There's a, a list of questions that you have that you've even vocalized to others as well as to God. The enemy has attempted to put a bitterness on the inside of you to derail you, to get, to get you just to have a, a little religious thing. We're not here for religious duty. We're here to be equipped. And the Lord is going to equip you if, 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 if 
you heed his voice and obey his commands. And you will walk in a great anointing. And I see wealth. I see increase. I see ideas. I see the power of God flowing through you, even in the marketplace. And you'll be a special trophy of his grace that will shine like a beacon in the night to your entire family. I break off every lie. I break off every assignment. I command discouragement and even depression and, and even... I command that thing to break now in the name of Jesus. Great word. Did you get something from God today? May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance towards you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. See you tonight, 6 o'clock. It's going to be amazing. 11 o'clock service starts in 35 minutes. Blessings. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.